guys, welcome back to another episode of the Arsenio ZSL podcast. I'm so excited to bring you or bring it to you another wonderful episode in regards to salespeople. Oh my God, it takes a long time for these episodes play count to build up. But luckily, it's getting between 150 to 160 as usual with the other episodes. So I'm very, very happy. Thank you guys so much for supporting these episodes also. So today we got a lot of videos. We have a lot of things to discuss. We got people in terms of publishing and people who work in the back office and other people who work for Property Solutions. We're going to talk about everything we had spoken about over, you know, let's just say all the sales episodes we've done so far. So first and foremost, what we need to do is I'm going to first go over what you're going to be learning in this podcast, obviously. So what we're going to listen to, we're going to listen to lead generation magnets, and we're going to listen to people discussing them, as well as advice for time wasters, okay? Phil and Robert are going to speak about the different ways that people obviously waste time along with A through F, which I'm going to explain to you after. Now, and then after that, the follow-up questions, sales targets, uh, you know, uh, time-wasted prospects, making notes of different things and whatnot. And uh, again, listening to the natural speech also. So there's going to be a lot compiled within this. Um, and again, if you guys want those questions and you want to write them down, go to my Business English Podcast badge, which is on my Patreon. $20 a month gets you all the good stuff. And to this point so far, in regards to sales, I have a lot of different things in regards to email writing. Um, some of the templates in terms of grammar, planning meetings, um, different tips for models for possibility. Uh, different readings, you you name it. There's a lot of lot of good stuff on there. So if you guys are interested in that, or if you just want to support the early access podcast movement, again, getting all the podcasts at your disposal for five dollars a month, that's available too. So with that being said, let's break down some of these questions first. A, what do you think word of mouth means, and how is it connected to sales? So now you can stop it. You can look it up, but I'm obviously going to give you the meaning. Now, word of mouth is someone who refers you or talks about you with someone else that builds you up. So it's kind of like back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, before the age of the internet. It was all about word of mouth in terms of building up your brand, right? It's kind of like before the, what is it, the Transcontinental Railroad. The only way people could deliver and you know, their products and goods is as far as the carriages would take them. But once the Transcontinental Railroad was implemented in the late 1800s, they were able to not only just build, you know, coal factories near coal plants, they were able to build coal factories in the other side or in this state, and they were able to transport the coal and all other goods, you know, um, what is it, uh, interstate. You know, because they they because of the railroad, right? So again, that's word of mouth back in the day. Now, if you look at me, word of mouth, if you say Arsenio for your business, your online business right now, is word of mouth really working? Well, only in one sector for IELTS. And big shout out to all my Filipina nurses out there. Because I helped seven students 
free of charge, one hour consultations, a total of seven hours achieve their IELTS score of seven or 7.5 in speaking. And since then, one of those students, she has come alongside with me and she's, uh, and she's been helping me try to build up some of these classes. So let me just hurry up and uh, like uh, turn off my WhatsApp. Uh, but again, you know, this is why it's very, very important to give that flawless service, regardless if they're paying you or not, because it could reap benefits in the future. See, at some point, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this month, maybe next month, who knows? But to see the places in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, and other places where a lot of my Filipina nurses are, there are people who are following my podcast who have not reached out to me yet. There's a class of five students who are waiting to start. There's another class of two who are waiting to come on. But of course, there are typhoons that are ravaging the Philippines and other places. So nonetheless, that's word of mouth. I've built up my IELTS reputation amongst the Filipina community because of what I did in the past that is now reaping the benefits. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So let's go into the next question. Do salespeople need to manage customer expectations? And if so, how can they do that? Now, again, customers' expectations. Now, customers' expectations is, is solely based on the customer. And I hate it. I can't, have, I can't have expectations out here in Thailand whatsoever because anytime I go into a restaurant, I'm always, and I'm always disappointed with the service. But for salespeople, if they can manage the expectations of a customer is by giving flawless service. So we've heard those recordings already in terms of, you know, if I, I, I can exceed your expectations by following up and having already kept in mind what we had talked about previously. It's like the woman was like, hey, you know what? We talked to, about this and this and this. I think I'm going to be able to do this for you and do that. You're exceeding their expectations because you're bringing up things that they possibly had forgotten. And they think that that's very uh, uh, caring of you to remember all the specific details. So that's one way of managing expectations by going the extra mile, right? So, and again, when you look at sales targets and who should decide them, it should always be you. It should always be you in terms of challenging. Let me give you a really good example. I used to teach at a place where three of the girls had to achieve a $60,000 a month sales target together. Each of them had to achieve 20,000 US dollars per head. Guys, we're talking, this is, Thai bot is 600,000 baht. So the only time they could actually achieve sales could be anywhere in the high months between April and May. So the dumbass, excuse my French, of a CEO who sets ridiculously high sales targets like that, let's say, that they get maybe $55,000, but they don't achieve the target. They don't get their bonus. Where does the money go? Does it go to one of the man's five wives? Honestly, it's a true story. Does it go to one of the man's five wives? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's impossible. And you don't even prepare them. How can you prepare someone to achieve such, such a, 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 a just a, a, an abomination of a target when you don't even help them? Had they have they even met the individual before? No. And this is the problem. 
having expectations and setting sales targets that are far beyond comprehension where you don't even prep and you don't even like give them Christmas bonuses and encourage them or help them or even like you, you took all the money out of that 55,000 that you made that specific month. What do you do with that money? What do you do with it? And do you just buy another car? Do you pay one of your five wives? Do you buy a new house? Or do you hire someone? Or do you do more proactive marketing? Or look at the numbers and say, oh, you know, this place only had 20 customers this month. So how are they going to be able to achieve that type of sales target? Setting like realistic goals and small targets and small things to encourage the salespeople is everything. I'm going to give you one last example before we get into this video. I am now getting ready to start doing these workshops again for the banks out here in Thailand. And I've been working for one of the most amazing individuals. At, well, not working for, we work in collaboration. Love her to death. P. Nuke is who I call her. While she was working there, she achieved the sales target every single time. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, I didn't like working with her. Oh, I always clashed with her because guess what? She had a target. She had a target that she needed to meet. And she always knew that I was best for specific individuals. Like if she came to someone, she's like, oh, you used to be a dentist. Hey, Arsenio, I know you used to be a dental assistant, right? Okay, hey, check this out, Arsenio. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this student. It's 100 hours. And guess what? That 100 hours, that went on for almost a year. And that obviously helped my salary throughout that year. So she looked out for me. However, other people who are just making sales and just giving random students to random teachers who shouldn't be teaching those students, this is when everything had fallen apart back in 2017. So what I'm trying to say here is, for your own individual work, this is even about set, this is about you in general. When you set the bar too high, it's it's it could be too much. It's too daunting. It's kind of like, hey, Arsenio, okay, I'm gonna write my book. And true story, I'm gonna write a book. Um, but in itself, that's just too big, right? Of course. So I need to break it down for my mind to receive the information better. Like, okay, Arsenio, write one bad page a day. By the end of the year, you'll have 365 bad pages. And some of those will be meshed together. You'll be able to delete them. You'll be able to edit them and rough draft them, a lot of different things. But at the end of 365 days, you will have a, you will have a legitimate book. And guess what? You don't need a publicist. You don't need an editor. You don't need any of that because now we live in a digital marketing type of world where you could just sell your book right off your website, Arsenio. You guys see what I mean? I, uh, again, but you guys aren't getting the point right now. The point is, okay, Arsenio, how are we going to break this book down? How many chapters do you want? What lessons? Okay, what lessons did you learn in 2013? No, 2013 is going to be the monologue. Okay, 2014, this is the beginning. 2015, each and every year, there were a specific amount of reasons, mentions, people, lessons, books that entered your life. And you are going to show inch by inch and actionable steps how these people who will read your book can take something away from it each and every chapter. It's not going to be so much about you. It's going to be about the most prolific lessons you learned along the way. See, 
Now I can write that down on a paper. Let's write that down in the table of contents. Okay, what am I gonna include in terms of this? Let me get all the lessons together. Let me get all the people who have come into my life together. Let me get, uh, get all the trials and tribulations together. Do you guys get what I'm saying? You gotta break it down. And that's what sales is about too. So with that being said, guys, what I'm gonna do is we're gonna play this. And while we play this, I'm gonna be stopping it. Go, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. So first and foremost, we're gonna listen to Robert Harrison and there's gonna be a specific question that you're gonna be listening, uh, prospecting and planning, as a matter of fact. Here we go, how does your company generate leads? We generate leads mostly through word of mouth. Um, we found that that personal approach to our business works the best. Um, people believe people, people believe friends and um, word of mouth has definitely been the primary driver in the growth of our business. My company generates leads by doing a lot of networking and relationship building. So by meeting people and developing the relationship you build the credibility. It needs to be backed up with social media and contact points on email and tweeting out to people and follow-ups all the time. But lead generation for me is referral marketing and networking. Referral marketing and networking. So there are two different two different people, two totally different ways, right? Now it depends what type of work you're engaged in. Now me being a coach, obviously word of mouth is very, very important. But also my form of marketing is literally through my podcast. Because through my podcast, people understand that I have a membership site. People understand that I have one-on-one -on -one coaching, that I have group coaching, that I have group classes. And so a lot of people, they go from my podcast onto my Instagram. This is how they follow me. That's one way. Another way is Facebook. So Facebook, this is another way to market. Um, and again, this is me just getting my face in front of people, my videos in front of people. Right now, it's 4 p.m., people. It is 4 p.m. right now. Normally, I upload a video anytime between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. Why? Because I know people are waking up in South America and Central America with learning capabilities. Their neurons are firing right now. Now, if I look at another demographic that isn't necessarily mine, I post in this place because I know that most individuals get on between 7, 8, and 9 p.m. at night. So when I hurry up and premiere a video on Facebook, I quickly share it to about four to five pages and I let my video do its work. Of course, I'm never going to get like a whole bunch of messages right off the back. Absolutely not, unless I'm just offering free stuff, but I don't deal with freeloaders, okay? Because I don't need to drop my down, my, myself down to that level anymore, right? And it's not about just dropping myself down. I like someone who approaches me like the Thai student and say, oh my God, you know, thank you so much for your podcast. I say, hey man, I'll hook you up with a consultation. Oh my God, thank you so much. Another uh, pair from Brazil, absolutely gorgeous woman beyond belief. Big shout out to Marina. Um, you know, so me and her, we were going back and forth and messaging, hearing her accent is just phenomenal. And her just having a wonderful life out there in the Northeast part of the United States. Uh, you know, that was, you know, her just coming up on my Instagram. And a lot of Brazilians have done this as of late. So big shout out to all you beautiful Brazilians out there. Um, that's one way. Facebook, Facebook, I don't get that many leads from there. 
again, the Filipino community is on there, but a lot of them are very indecisive about it because they don't already follow my podcast. And if you don't already follow my podcast, you're, you're probably less likely to purchase anything because obviously if they just see my video, 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 they're like, ah, okay. But people who see my podcast and see the hundreds of podcasts I've already done, they're like, oh my God, absolutely. How much? No problem. Let's do it. You see what I mean? There's more of a trust there as opposed to Facebook is what I'm trying to say. So again, referrals, you know, social media, tweeting, stuff like that. That's all fantastic. And finally, I'm back on Twitter, people. Yes, I am back on Twitter. Arsenios, A-R-S-E-N-I-O-S, E-S-L, in caps, doesn't really matter. Pod, as in podcast, P-O-D. You will find me and you can follow me, tweet me, retweet me, man. I am back on Twitter. So happy to be there again. And I've rebranded everything because now I want to be on Twitter and uh, YouTube as my brand, Arsenio's ESL Podcast, right? Or Arsenio's ESL Learning. So I had to rebrand myself because I just had my Twitter name as Arsenio Buck, but there was just too much of, again, I had like 200 followers, but then I got blocked for whatever reason. So now I just don't engage in buffoonery anymore. I do not engage in politics anymore. I just stay away from people straight up. So with that being said, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, and let's keep it going. So the next question is, how do you identify serious customers and time wasters? Identifying serious customers and time wasters can be tricky. People are enthusiastic. Establishing if they are the decision maker straight off and if they have the budget for whatever it is that you're selling is always vital. To identify serious customers, you really have to make sure that your pricing is transparent so that from the outset there's no question about where you sit within the market. So how do you separate uh, time wasters from serious customers? I have a bit of a theory on this and I, I ask anyone, is, are they time wasters? See, I believe that if people are inquiring one day they will purchase it's so good if they're inquiring one day they will purchase you know i've had a lot of facebook messages and a lot of just just people everywhere if they're inquiring they're interested at some point they will purchase sometimes they're very hesitant maybe sometimes they look at the market whatever it may be listen i've even lowered my prices like two three months ago to the point where i'm like you know what you guys should all be paying me this rate not this rate okay i'm not doing that anymore okay this is my price that's the end of it i got several prices if none of them fit your budget hey just keep tuning into my podcast my youtube video best of luck to you and there it is i always give a free consultation and people who reach out to me on instagram okay not people who reach out to me on Facebook, no. Because I just feel like Facebook is more of a taker's mindset and Instagram, these are people who literally, and you guys who are listening to me, you went down to my description, you found my Instagram handle or my Twitter handle, you clicked it, you follow me, you sent me a message. That's someone who is triple interested and not obviously services, but you're interested because I have helped you and I've, I've spoken to your heart, and this is why I love you, and you love me, and we love each other. <laughs> Do you get it? So, with that being said, uh, you know, they talked about 
clear prices. Okay, gotta have clear prices. This is what I posted so much for uh, about on my uh, Instagram. I'm gonna have to repost my prices again, uh, just to be clear about it. Um, and again, you know, who who makes the decisions, right? So I had a couple of students from Pakistan, where or Egypt, Egypt, as a matter of fact. And I'm not exactly sure if she's the one that made the decisions, but at the at decisions, but at the same time, she was the one that actually had a job too. So again, if you're dealing with a big company, let's say, you know, out here in Thailand, me doing a big bank, okay, we're speaking directly to HR. We're okay, there's what there's two HR girls, right? Both of them are just like supermodels, super beautiful, love them to death, right? Well, as of last year, I don't know how they look now. But anyways, fast forwarding, who's the one that makes a decision in terms of the final pricing? Okay, we talked to the main HR manager, she's very argh! You know how they are. And plus, old style, you know how that is. Um, but again, she has to get that budget and she has to send it to someone else. Who is the Who has the final say? And did we wow them enough to the point that they say, you know what? Okay, we're down, we're in. That's another key factor. So how do you follow up after you meet a prospect? Let's listen to what these folks got to say. Once you've met a prospect, the best way I've found to follow up is to stay human, to give them a call and to build up that relationship. Initially I follow up with an email to acknowledge that I've met them and I set the expectations about what the next steps are, that I'm going to make a telephone call to them or I'm going to send them a proposal. Okay, which one is more human? Which one is more human? One's building up a relationship, one sounds very sales basey. So again, if you're looking to hurry up and make a quick sell, guys, I'm going to be honest with you that it just doesn't work. It doesn't. Because let me give you an example. If someone hurry up and inquires about the price, that means they're interested only in the price, not the service. So in, on my Facebook page, everybody always said, hey, how much are your classes? Hey, how much? How much? How much? Why? Because they're not interested in the service that I provide. They're interested more in the price. They're interested in it being cheap or, nope, not necessarily cheap, but fit in their budget. So if that's the case, these people, they're not necessarily time wasters, but they're not inquirers. They're not inquiring about what you do as an individual and how you do it. They're inquiring more about a price and if it fits the budget, they don't really care, but they could care less about what you actually do. So keep that in mind. And again, it's all about building up that relationship too. So if I get on a consultation, I say, okay, you have this, you have that, uh, a couple of other people, and one's like, okay, let me try to get a friend and get this. Yes, I could do a follow-up. I can, I can, and I should, and that's definitely an area I need to get better at. So that was some really good clarity for me. Now, how about the setting of targets? The sales targets. Uh, the really good thing about my company is that the managers of my sales team used to be sales reps themselves. So they know what's achievable, they know what's ambitious, and they know what is just simply pushing a sales consultant too far. It's usually a conversation between us and the manager, but the manager will have a final say. Our sales targets are based on our previous trading. Um, we would break down that into our quarterlies, and then from that set the targets based on our forecasts. So again, Looking at what Victor had said, you know, so they already have previous experience. So obviously it's a little bit better and it's more logical to set it that way. Now, 
again, going back to Robert said, he talks about like the sales target or the forecasts, right? So sometimes if you set the bar too high, it's too difficult. I had a guy who worked in the medical field uh, in regards to selling things to different doctors out there. And he's like, dude, I achieve 100%, but I wanted to achieve 120%. And I said, listen, if you achieve 120% in a pandemic, they should give you a ridiculous raise. It's kind of like uh, one of my close friends right now. Love her to death. Her name's Nen. She works for uh, Air Asia. She's like, dude, I got a sales target. I said, you got a sales target? She said, yeah. And guess what? If I meet that sales target, I could get anywhere to three to six months out of the year worth of bonus. I said, oh my God. Was having another conversation with this beautiful, oh my God, I love her so much. I haven't proposed to her yet. Uh, but you know, she's a pharmacist where I work and her, she just has so much hair and she's just such a delightful individual. But one of the workers there, they work sales and I didn't know. I said, you work sales? She said, yeah. I said, okay. She, she, I said, okay, how's COVID and everything? She's like, it's really slow. And we also have a target. I said, you have a target in a pharmacy? No wonder I see that you guys are trying to always sell the most expensive product to the foreigner. Oh, come on, man. That ain't the way to do it. But now I understand the hustle. But I don't appreciate the hustle. But I understand the hustle now. Because if you get some, uh, you know, some people from like Dubai, like, like the Emiratis and stuff like that, or people who are quote unquote heavy hitters, you kind of want to sell them the most expensive things so you can kind of increase your sales, the sales base, because you have a quota to meet. Oh man, it's a tough world out there. Luckily, I don't have to do that, but that is a tough world out there. So do you have any stories about a time-wasting prospect? This is going to be really funny. About a time-wasting prospect was when I showed up to a language school early on in the morning, uh, on Monday morning, and uh, the director of studies came down to see me and said hello, and he was very nice, very busy, but very nice. Uh, he took me up to uh, to his office and we sat down and we had the usual, uh, you know, small talk conversation for five minutes. And then he started talking about the, uh, the kinds of tasks that he would have me do, which was strange. And I asked him, you're aware of, of what we're here to talk about, you're aware of who I am. And he actually thought I was a new English teacher, first day in uh, and just starting a job on a Monday morning. So that's uh, what really gave it away, that he was not really prepared to talk to me, he was not really prepared to chat. Very quickly after he realized who I was, he just said, well, I'm going to probably uh, have you meet my assistant director of studies. And I agreed that this would be the best way forward because he was clearly not in the right frame of mind to have any sort of conversation about salespeople. So with that being said, guys, ah, wow, there was a lot. There was a lot in this, and I'm going to have to figure out all the accents uh, that was basically in here. I know uh, Victor, I, th I do believe that he's from Poland, so you're going to see a lot of different things on there. But nonetheless, guys, I just want to say thank you so, so much for tuning in to this sales podcast. And again, I do apologize if it was a little bit up and down throughout the entire process, whatnot. But, uh, huh. That was a good one. There was a lot of fire in this. And again, I messed up on a couple of podcasts this week and I swear I am not going to go about just deleting this one because I couldn't edit all that other ridiculousness. So anyways, this is going to be good. This is going to go well. And with that being said, guys, thank you so, so much for tuning in to another ESL podcast, man. I have so much more coming up. So you guys better stay tuned for more. Over and out.